Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, we're gathered. We're going to have a conversation around a teaching series we did recently on the church, which was called Here For It. Now, Tebo, you came up with this idea, I think. Uh, I have to confess, I wasn't aware what Here For It quite meant. But do you want to explain? Sure, yeah. I think um, it's what the cool kids are saying. You know, uh, anybody who is down for something, up for something, and, uh, and backing something, you know, we're here for it. That's, that's what we're saying. And so that's what this is about. You know, the church, we're here for it. Brilliant. And, and since hearing that phrase, I'm now hearing it everywhere. Uh, so feeling a bit cooler myself. But um, this has been such a unique time for the church over the last 18 months. Obviously, with the pandemic, for, for much of the last year or so, churches, church buildings have been shut. We've had to find new ways of gathering, whether it's online, Zoom, Facebook. And it, it's kind of challenge and uh, give us an opportunity to rethink reset on what is church what is our dream our vision for church we're involved in leadership here at gas street so we've been having big conversations about what do we need to communicate what do we need to be planning for what do we need to change perhaps what have we uh, emphasized too much and other areas of church that we've missed so we've been doing this series here for it looking at the bible certain aspects of Uh, what the church is and the first session we looked at was um, the power of belonging and Ali you actually spoke about this do you want to give us kind of a minute or so summary of your message about the church's role as being a community of belonging yeah sure well we obviously know that church is not a building and that's Mm. been a really good thing in this last year because clearly we haven't been in the building but we were looking a little bit at church as home as family of what it means to belong and we took um some verses from ephesians 2 so i'm just going to read a couple of those from the message translation and it says this this kingdom of faith is now your home country you're no longer strangers or outsiders you belong here with as much right to the name christian as anyone god is building a home he's using us all irrespective of how we got here. And it goes on to talk about brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as our foundation, building us together as a church. So that was the idea we were taking of what it means to come home, what it means to be at home, longing for home. Um, I've been thinking a little bit about homesickness, what it means to kind of feel away from home. And I know there's been kind of a lot of around that as well. And um, I think it's Richard Raw has this idea of our soul or our spirit being a homing device and how we're all being kind of called home. And a church is like a glimpse of being at home, what it means to hang out as a family, what it means to serve together, um, love one another. You know, in the New Testament, it says each other or one another more than 50 times. And uh, we're being called together as a home. So about belonging. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I think one of the things, and maybe great to hear different people's opinions, I think I've been challenged by is... The danger of church is becoming so Sunday-centric, so events-based that people attend something. But actually, as we've seen, when the Sunday, the gathering, the worship, the moment, the preach are all kind of taken away, you realize actually at the heart of a church is a family, a group of people who are connected Mm -hmm. together, first and foremost belong to God, but also belong to one another. Um, I'd just be interested in other people. What have your reflections been when suddenly some of that community has so radically changed in that we weren't able to meet for coffees, we couldn't pop around to each other's houses. It's all been Zoom conversations, FaceTime. How, yeah, what, what do you think uh, you've noticed or observed through that? I, I mean, I think two things spring to mind. The first thing is that our gastric groups have just mm. absolutely exploded. I mean, we've always had a, a pretty good take-up, haven't we, of people being part of groups. But anecdotally, I keep hearing back from people, maybe those that have historically sat on the edges a bit, or, you know, even, even those that have been Christians for ages and kind of like, I've done groups, you know, mm. I've done groups, um, have jumped into a gastric group in lockdown. And I've, I don't know how many times I've heard the phrase, my group has been an absolute lifeline. Yeah. Mm. And even though it's just been on Zoom, actually they, what I hear is that people sort of anticipate that weekly Zoom where they can connect with people and have a conversation. So that's the first thing. The second thing is about redefining what belonging looks like in terms of the building and thinking about love your neighbor, which was our response to uh, to the crisis, really. Those that particularly it started with food insecurity and now love your neighbor has developed and we're reaching into our local community in a whole bunch of different ways. But there are now, I, I, my 
figures are probably out of date, but I know at least 400 people from our local community, all within like a mile's radius of the building, who are engaged with us on a regular basis. Now, mm. they've never set a foot through the door. Yeah. But what does belonging to Gas Street mean to them? They, lots, again, anecdotally, lots of the conversations that have been happening with our team, people saying, I, I feel part of Gas Street, mm. even though I have never walked mm. through the door, because... Because you were there, you were there for me in that moment of need, and now I want to be part of that community. So I think it's shifting what belonging even looks like outside of the realms of a building. Yeah. yeah. It's the same with the online thing. You know, there's so much that came out of the pandemic that we, that's either accelerated what we would be doing or has birthed a new and caused mm. innovation, hasn't it? And I was just thinking off the back of what you're saying, like when we as a family, we're a family of six. Uh, like you, you guys are, and, and I just know that moment, I don't know if you know this moment, when you walk in, when we walk into like a small coffee shop, <laughs> like literally the one on our high street, everyone stops and looks. It's like, like a rolling what of are eyes. You doing? Yeah. yeah, what is this? <laughs> and, um, and I think like a family of that size, it makes an impression. It's yeah. like it, it, it moves the air in the venue when you mm. walk in. And I think, <clears throat> I think in some way that's, that's what you're talking about. It's like a family make, has, a, has a presence. It has a, a footprint. And I think what the, the what the pandemic's done through Love Your Neighbor and through our online um, ministry, it's been the presence of the family, the mm. face of the family that's often like locked behind the walls of the church. Mm. It's something like, oh no, it's out public. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been exciting, hasn't it? Like it's forced the church into the public mm. space more, into the coffee shop, so to speak, as the analogy would go, mm. which has been exciting. Yeah. Mm. I was going to say not the coffee shop because they've been closed. But yes, no, it was yeah. a very good Thank point. You. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think for me, I've, I've sort of felt super challenged, you know, as a result of the pandemic, you know, where whereby a lot of things perhaps I had taken for granted, you know, you know, family, you know, you mm. kind of, you know, I think about, you know, calling my mother, for example, you know, probably never used to call it, you know, regularly, but... I think I've been challenged around intentionality. And I think, you know, this season and this time is I found it's just really pushed everybody to actually, you know, be intentional and front-footed with family and not, you know, it's not something that just happens, but actually we 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 have to organize a FaceTime, we have to organize Zoom calls. Mm -hmm. And 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 I think I've just found a new appreciation for for family, for belonging, and I've I'm just recognizing and realizing sort of its its importance, you know, and and I think I think there's just been a massive wake up, you know, a massive wake up call, say, hey guys, you know, like like this community, this this thing that we do that we're a part of, you know, this it's it's our lives, you know, and, and it's and it's powerful, it's relevant. Um and and it's not it's not slowing down, you know, I think more than ever now we we're about to be more engaged, more connected. I mean, what's happening here is is literally going forth, you know, to the to the corners of the world. And that is so exciting for me. Yeah. I I think um with the the thing of belonging and family and connection, it's really what everyone is most craving for, particularly mm. off the back of that being denied. But, and, and I know people watching this, you know, other church leaders or whoever's watching this will be thinking, how, how do we do this? But I, I think moving forward for us, one of the things we feel we need to work more on and be more intentional to use that word, you mm. said, Tebu, um, is, is to create spaces for deeper belonging. Mm. Again, in a big city like Birmingham, where there is a fair amount of transience, where you know, a church maybe of our size, where lots of people can attend but not really be known, actually, that's not enough. You, you know, if, if God's heart, God's plan, God's design for the church is for it to be a family where people connect in and belong, you know, he didn't have in mind, I think, you know, an hour and a half on a Sunday once mm, a week. Yeah. He's talking about being in and out mm -hmm. of each other's lives. And I think there's a bit of a tension, or has been, where one of the things our culture, society craves is independence, you know, my life, my rights, everything on my terms. And yet we're also craving to be loved and known and accepted. And, and, and Tim Keller, he, I thought he uses a brilliant phrase when talking about this. He said, um, wanting to be loved and remain independent is like wanting to be thin whilst eating lots of ice cream. Mm. And actually the two things, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly, it's painful. <laughs> they, they, they don't go together. So at some point, if we want to be loved and known, we've got mm. to make the choice to commit to whether it's a small group mm. or to make ourselves vulnerable mm, and to uh, uh, choose to pursue friendship. Mm. Um, 
But that can be hard for maybe staff team or church leadership team when you're thinking always mm-hmm. about growth and size. That you know, some of those things I think perhaps mm-hmm. the church have chased after. I wonder whether actually chasing after depth might have been more fruitful. I don't know. What do there's something think? around serving together, isn't there, as a family? Yeah. I was just we were, you know, talking before about how when you, like a family meal, everyone has to muck in and like mm. clear the table and bring the cutlery and like that's how it works as a family. And actually in theory, that's, yeah. in, in theory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true in theory. <laughs> but, you know, in the church, it's the same thing, actually. Mucking in and serving is what will help you belong yeah. and be part of it, being part of a team, part of a group. Actually, you need to sort of bring yourself to belong as well. You can't kind of sit back and go, hey, make me belong. You actually have to take the initiative and be intentional yeah. about it yourself to do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think as well that if, when, when the church gets it right that sense of belonging can be one of the greatest mm. apologetics, can't yes. it, for yeah. the reality, that the truth within the gospel. That yeah. Again, I, th- I think about how much often I take for granted the community I have mm. through the church and think about friends who aren't in church and they, they, they don't have anywhere close to mm. the level of community that I have. Yeah. Sorry, I've got something in my throat. You're getting Tim. emotional. <laughs> no, we're not getting emotional. On, I've got a dry throat. On that point, because I'm it's coming... It's not COVID. It's not COVID. I'm coming back <laughs> to you. Uh, Francis Schaeffer, <laughs> he makes that exact point. I'm sure he stole it from you, Rachel. He probably uh, he, did. He, he said, our relationships with each other is the criteria the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Yeah. Christian community is the final apologetic. I think it's so powerful. There you go, Francis. We can get caught yeah. up, can't we? <laughs> Great preach, the great song, but actually what people are looking at, oh my goodness, they see a depth, quality of love and belonging, which is what human beings mm. long for. Mm. Rach, I wonder if one of the things that um, caused people to maybe hold back from jumping in is shame, fear of being rejected. You, you spoke, this, one of the weeks was on uh, the imperfect, the power of the imperfect church. Just give us a bit of a summary of your talk and be great to unpack a bit of that how this imperfect mm. group of people come together mm. to see God do extraordinary things? I mean, I think at its heart, it's about acknowledging that the gospel isn't about morality. You know, following Jesus is not about becoming a more moral person. And I think that is probably one of the biggest misconceptions about the Christian faith that there is. Mm. You know, you talk to people outside of the church and this, this idea about being a Christian is sort of, connected somehow with being a a good, you know, moral person. And of course, morality in itself is not bad. And actually, when we follow Jesus, yes, the trajectory is that we become better people. But I think that can be alienating for people. And this idea of stepping into church, into sort of a Christian community, for many people, the immediate response is, I'm not good enough. Whether that's a conscious response or a subconscious response is, I'm not good enough. I'm not... I'm not holy enough. And again, sort of a misuse of that notion of being holy. And so they exclude themselves. They don't come in. And then when they do come in, again, if that community uh, isn't defined by grace Mm. and acceptance and compassion, then the tragedy is their fears are realized. Mm. You know, that they are made to feel, I don't belong. I'm not good enough, which is utterly tragic and so I suppose the vision that I was trying to uh, trying to communicate this picture I was trying to paint was of a church that holds intention that phrase uh, accredited to Max Licardo but I'm not sure who it originally said it that phrase that I've heard all my Christian life God loves you the way that you are but he loves you too much to leave you that way and this idea of being a church that holds intention those two things that people can walk through the door and they are immediately met with in everything, in the welcome, in the preach, in the worship, in in the very essence of what it means to gather as church. What what they're met with is God loves you the way that you are. That's Mm. the overriding message. And yet it doesn't stop there. God loves you so much. He is so passionate about your freedom. He's so passionate that you break free from the sin that entangles you and holds you back. He's so passionate about you walking fully into the purpose Mm, that he has for you that he doesn't want to leave you that way. And so again, what does it look like to be a church community that sets people up well for transformation? Mm. And transformation that doesn't happen through sort of guilt tripping or coercion, but a transformation that happens through an environment that is just 
uh, j- j- just rich with the presence of God. Mm, yes. So the Holy Spirit does the transformation work. We just tee people up for it. Mm. You know, we set people up. And so, but it's a tension. I think what I was getting at is that there's this constant push-pull between grace, acceptance, compassion, and look, we, we, we're about transformation. We're about change here. You know, holiness. Holiness. God doesn't want you to stay. And God, you know, he, sin matters. You know, we don't just brush sin under mm. the carpet. We, we create an environment where we can be real. I mean, that's another key part of it is, um, is, is creating a space where people can become honestly and openly uh, without feeling the need to put a mask on or fake it or pretend. And again, that's pretty countercultural right now. And maybe just one thing on shame. I think two, two of the things that shame does is it creates disconnection and disqualification. And so if you walk into a Christian environment with shame, and many, many people do, what can happen is you feel disconnection because you think nobody else feels like me, so that creates a sense of disconnection, or you think God could never use me, and that creates a sense of disqualification. So again, creating a church where we just smash through that lie. You know, you you come as you are, you allow the Holy Spirit to transform you, and you need to know that you absolutely have a right to connection, and you also have a place in the story Mm. that God is writing here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. So good. I was just thinking about, um, you know, Jesus' story of the prodigal son. And like that's the ultimate mm. kind of, this is what the Heavenly Father's heart's like. And of course, the son comes home. He doesn't clean himself up first before he's allowed in. He's like a mess, isn't he? And mm. his dad just comes and throws his arms around him, mm. loves him, and presumably takes him in, feeds him up, you know, gives him the best cloak and the new clothes. And that's when he's cleaned up and sorted out. But that bit kind of before then, he's, he's full of shame. And, that, and it says that, but he's willing just to go as he is and the father is just that running towards him not running away from him and that's you know i think that's really important that people know that what would be some of your guys reflections on how we develop and continue to build a community where people can bring their worst that they, they, they feel actually i'm aware of my struggles and hang-ups mm. and yet i'm willing to bring those to this community how do you think we mm. can better do that yeah i think I think transparency mm. in this season is is just key. I think with everything that's happening in the world, you know, like it's almost like it's shocking. A lot of it is sad. And I think that people are looking for a, a transparent community, um, an open community whereby, you know, where to some degree we're not afraid to be vulnerable and we're not afraid to say, hey, look, like this is tough, you know, using language like this is not easy, you know, but God. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know, I think, you know, I'm, I'm having, you know, I've been having a, a few catch-ups with people and, and we've just been talking around how, you know, this, this is church, you know, that we mm-hmm. can, you know, come out of our pulpits and, and sit down at a table and share. I think, you know, creating an environment where, where we can share, you know, life, stories, um, experiences, the journey, and I think there's something powerful to be said about um, just how how we're able to engage with people, you know, at a personal level. I, and I think that's the challenge of the church, you know, how how we can meet people and how we can we can say, hey, you know, I believe in you, and 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 God is working it out. And I think um, that's sort of what. Um, God's heart is right now is is how do we get around tables? How do we how do we have conversation and and sharpen one another? Um, I mean, it's a challenge, but I'm sort of thinking thinking about it, and and, and it excites me. The, the opportunity excites me of what you know the time we're living in right now. And I, and I think I think another thing is not um, leaving our personalities behind. You know, I think mm. previous generations, like when you do do church. You, you shouldn't bring too much of yourself. You know, you sure. just read the scripture. You you maybe expound the scripture. You read a separate, you know, and don't bring too much of yourself because it's like this is yeah. God's stuff. Yeah. And I think that limits the the opportunity to be vulnerable or to be real or to be yeah. to bring you and for people mm. to see a glimpse of of the person that God's using to yeah. to, to help mm. and serve the church. And so I think. And that's one of our key values, as you said, that, that we're very just down-to-earth, real, mm. normal. So I think it's also about, isn't it, finding those little natural moments to just show 
who you are mm. and the things that you face. I, just one quick example. I remember in one of my sermons, like sharing that, you know, I, I, I write to myself at the top of my notes. Do you remember this? You know, <laughs> You're beautiful. Basically, <laughs> you can do this. Something like, you know, you can do this. <laughs> Be confident. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's no one else to do this right now. Mm. Like you're, God's yeah. put you here. You can do this. And I, I, I put it in italics, so I, I know not to read it out. Because <laughs> <laughs> that um, would be a bit awkward. That yeah. would be awkward. But, but, you know, this one sermon, I felt it was right just to say that. And say, mm. this is how, what I do. I, I, mm. I, I, you see me like this, but I, I struggle mm. with this feeling, you know, of, of insecurity or anxiety about doing it. I'm not naturally a stage person. And it's one of those bizarre little examples where people keep referring yeah. back to that. Like just yeah. the other day, I was speaking to someone who referred to it. Mm. And so they're the little moments that, yeah. that show, hey, we're, we're all the same. Yeah. And, and, and any one of you could do this. And you know, yeah. God is using all of us yeah. in, in our broken ways. Yeah. And just on that, I think all of us at some point during this, this series have talked about how you know, it's, it's not even easy to get up there. And, and we all have, you know, moments where we think that was terrible. You come off the stage and you think, what on earth have I just said? And, and, and I just, yeah, I love that because the truth is God can use anyone, you know, and he can use a donkey, you know. And I think, I think, I think we're all learning that in the season is, is that you know, God can literally mm. use anyone. I think a lot of people are learning that right now, you know. People are, you know, are on TikTok and and on social media, and it's amazing some of the things you know we're seeing on there and how God is is moving in different people's lives. And you know, even just in the most ordinary, uh, you know, there's just the extraordinary of God yeah. that I'm finding right now. And it does seem, doesn't it, that there's a real shift. And I think this is a really healthy thing. I think there's a purification that's happening in the church where. Um, God is almost wanting people to focus on the health of a community, the mm. health of a people. Um, the, your thing of people feeling loved and accepted, but actually being given a community and space with God to transform their lives. But um, there's been a whole bunch of stuff around toxic positivity mm. or toxic culture in churches where people can feel like they're, they're basically being used to drive a kind of big gatherings mm. or you know basically they, they feel I'm not really valued or loved I'm not really part of a family I'm just free labor as it were um to be you saying something really interesting about mm. this there's a new v in town just yeah. to unpack that so that's yeah really I was talking to um, a pastor friend of mine you know and and they've sort of been going through just a really difficult time at church and 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 he, he summed it up this way it's so fascinating you know I think he, he was saying there's a new v in town and I think for a long time as churches you know we focused on vision and driving vision you know we have vision Sundays you know which are awesome you know you have yeah. the presentation if you've been around church long enough you know you have the musical piece and and it is electrifying and exciting um, but the new vision in town he was saying is is values you know mm, what people really good. care about now is yeah. what are your values yeah. you know and and I just thought wow that mm. is that is so powerful, you know, and, you know, rather than, you know, shoving vision down people's throats, which, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing to do because, you know, without a vision, the people perish and we do need to have a sense of direction where we're going and that does still fire us up. Mm. But I think in the same breath, there's something to be said about, you know, what are the values of the house, yeah. you know? Yeah. Who, who are you? Like, mm. like, sh like roll up your sleeves, show me who you are. Yeah. And, and I think that's resonating, especially you know, with 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 my generation and and the generation that's that's coming up. I think I think I think you know we're looking for that which is authentic, that which yeah. is pure and holy, and and we're bringing these things back to the forefront of what it means to be a Christian today. Yeah. And and I'm a fan of the basics and the simplicity. And I think if we can get you know some of those things mm -hmm. right, I think. I think we're set up for a win. Yeah. I heard this really great quote um, from psychologist Susan David, and she talked about leaders and leadership and how, I think this ties in with what you were saying, Tebo, that she says, as a leader, what, what we should convey to the people we're leading is trust my compass, not my map. Mm. And in some ways, vision is all about the map. Here's mm. where we're going. This is the direction mm. we're headed in. Doesn't the map look amazing? Mm. But I wonder if there's a shifting now to say, actually, the map's great, but I wonder, what's your compass like? Yeah, Where's your good. compass set? You know, what, what's your character? Mm. What are your values exactly? And I, I heard that and I thought, that, that's it. Because I think sometimes for Tim and I, we've at times felt a bit like, 
oh, we, we don't really know what the map is. Um, should we, should we, should we let them know? I've been in the car with you both. <laughs> let me tell you, there is no map. Maps are very old school, aren't they? Sat now, I should say. But it's, sometimes it is the pressure, like, oh, we, we need a really compelling, clear map. But actually, I think if the compass is good, and yeah. I think yeah. for Tim and I, we... We endeavor to ensure that the compass of our lives is good. And yeah. then God, God can reveal the map as you go. Vision is important. Mm. Yeah, and we'll, we'll come on to vision in, in a bit. But I, I think one of the things, I mean, I sometimes feel this when you're leading stuff, that the control freak can kick in and you're mm. so concerned about it being excellent and great. And you, you think, I still operate probably on a bit of a modernist mindset that people come to church They'll be blown away by the music, the preach, and that will be, wow, it's so good. I'll definitely mm. become a Christian. Mm. And the truth is, we're killing ourselves, and it doesn't seem to be working always. Um, and, and I think what we're beginning to see, just since we've started gathering in person again, I've been so encouraged, is uh, just all of God's people gathering and bringing something coming mm. prepared you know that i feel like when people because to come now they really have to want to be there i mean we're wearing masks we're socially distanced mm. it's not set up how we'd say you know you get a win but people they're coming ready to worship mm. they're engaged when, when people are preaching they are agreeing they're like vocally encouraging us when we pray it's like everyone's committed to prayer and then we, we had um uh, 7 p.m which is on Sunday, largely our students, and we had a guest speaker, and I was standing next to him. But you know, we start the worship; it's great. And then uh, Luke, who's leading worship, says, "I just think maybe a few people have got a word, and let's just wait on God." So he stops the music. No shabba pad. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, what? it was just absolute quiet. And then someone gets up and shares a word, and then this girl gets up and says, "I've just got this song in my head. Sings it out." Four or five different people get wow. up, share different things, different thoughts. And then Hazel, one of our student pastors, gets up and says, I just think there are people here who need and want to give their life to Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking, you know, on my train's like, no, 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 that, you know, that is not going to work. But two people put their hands in the air, give their lives to Christ. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really profound evening, but it wasn't in any way slick. Mm. It was completely messy. It, but but everyone was bringing something. It remind, reminded me of Ephesians five. You know, sing to the Lord. You know, everyone bringing psalm, hymns, spiritual songs. And I think what is exciting me. I don't fully know where it all goes, but I think one of the big shifts we need to see in the church is releasing people, sure, yeah. rather than releasing preachers or worship leaders. You know, releasing people to be confident that God could speak to them, mm. yeah. that they could pray or bring something to a gathered expression that could shift something, that they mm. could have a conversation to the person they're sitting next to that can bring courage and hope and life. And so I, I think we need to better equip people mm. to mm. do this stuff. Um, Tebe, you spoke about the spirit of a pioneer because mm. I think it's also exciting. We have this opportunity in the UK and beyond for the church to really step out. Mm. Well, just give us some of the things you were sharing. Yeah, I think, you know, my premise is that, and it's obvious, you know, the, the church is unstoppable. Mm. I think, you know, at a time where we should have or could have perhaps perhaps just, you know, leant back and and sort of, you know, um, ridden the wave of whatever's happening, you know, COVID, the world, lockdown. But, you know, as even as we're sat around this table and I think the sense in our church is that is that God is on the move. Mm-hmm. There are no limitations here. Anything is possible. And some of our language recently has just been about the spirit of God, you know, being poured out. And and, and that excites me. You know, there's, there's something about the spirit of a pioneer, which I believe is on our house. It's on, it's on our church. It's on the church, capital C. Um, and, and that God wants us to go right now. And, you know, in Acts 4, there's, there's Peter and John who, you know, they're on fire. They're preaching God's word. And, of course, there's opposition and resistance. That The Sanhedrin, the, the, the religious leaders are like, you know, we don't want any of this. And they throw them in prison. They, next day, they stand trial. And... And it's just all hectic. And, and I love just, just, just this, this line at the end where, where Peter and John's words are, we, we cannot stop telling of everything mm. that, is happen- uh, that is happening here, the good news of Jesus Christ. And, mm. and I don't know, there's, there's, just, there's just such a boldness mm. that is on these guys' lives and a spirit of an adventurer that I really think that God wants us you know, to catch. You know, pioneers are, 
are visionaries. You know, they aren't afraid. You know, it's funny he's been talking about it's not all about vision, but but pioneers are able to see and act and move, and they are bold. Um, pioneers, you know, they carry a bold presence. There's something about sitting across the table from somebody and they stir something in you. Mm-hmm. And you know, my heart is that we would be those people that that we would be the people who stir something in others. You know, whether. It's, it is to action or whether it's to repentance or whether it's to a 180, whatever it is. You know, I think that God has put something inside of us, mm-hmm. especially I think there's been a lot of thinking time, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just think that 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 the church is on the move, God is on the move, mm-hmm. and 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 we ought to, you know, come out of apathy slightly. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, perhaps even during this last season, there's there's been opportunity for apathy. Yeah. But I think that God right now is is firing us up, and He's saying, "Look, all these things that He's dealing with, mm-hmm. you know, He, he you know, he, Steve Apple said recently that uh, Jesus is coming back for a takeover, mm-hmm. you know, and I just I just love that, and mm-hmm. and I want to be a part of that, mm-hmm. you know. How um, you guys have you tried to cultivate that sense of boldness? God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things how have you managed that cultivated that in the midst of all the anxious moments we've had over the last year all the internal wrestles that have been going on how how do we do that go on race (laughs) i i think i think risk has to be a big part of that doesn't it? and i think you're right tebo that the pull to apathy the pull to lethargy is so strong it has to be one of the enemy's key strategies right for the For the church, whether that's in Birmingham, the UK, the Western church, whatever, it's so that the, the pull of comfort and the nice, neat, safe life is so compelling, isn't it? Because, you know, again, it's, counter, it's counterintuitive to want to put yourself in a position that's going to cause you discomfort mm. or that's <laughs> going to take energy from you. And, you know, we have demands on our lives. But I think, for me, it is a daily resistance against comfort. Mm. It's a daily resistance against lethargy and apathy. And, I mean, on sort of a, bit, a bigger scale... Tim and I, in lockdown, made the the decision to start fostering this little baby girl that we're in the process of adopting. And humanly speaking, it's not a great move. You know, it doesn't push us towards comfort. We've already got four children. We're going back into the baby years, you know, where sleepless nights. And we have had many, many, (laughs) many sleepless nights. I mean, she is just a bundle of joy. But even that has been a lesson for mm. us that, you know, you, you, you choose to risk. And this is just an example that's particularly personal and pertinent to us. But we've chosen to step out and to, to push, push, discu- push comfort to one side and say, no, this is what you've called us to do. This is the kingdom. We're going to do it. And, and yes, it's been sacrifice. Mm. Yes, it's been hard work. But the joy, yeah. the sense of purpose, the sense of being exactly where God wants us to be doing what he wants us to do nothing beats that mm. you know and I think it's resistance isn't mm. it it's mm. daily resistance mm. to apathy lethargy mm. and comfort and, and I think worship's so key I, mm. I, I reflect that we had our staff meeting this morning and we you know it's so great to worship together and, and, and it hit me again you know I got this phrase like um you, you only think straight when you're in worship. Like, hmm. I got this thing yeah. like, I haven't been thinking straight because mm. yeah. I've been outside of worship sure. and I haven't been worshiping enough. And, mm. and I think it's so key because worship and putting yourself in a worshiping community, being here for it, for worship, mm. is a resistance activity. I think that's what hit me from what you were saying. You know, it's like a, it's a no to, to the, the, the other ways of thinking mm. that are the magnet that keep pulling you to to safety and comfort and apathy. So I think the pioneering thing is so linked to the mind that comes mm. when you worship. The mind of Christ, isn't it? Mm. It's, mm. The, it's the crazy mind. It's like, who would do that? Who would go to the cross? Like, yeah. who, who would do this when everyone else is saying this is bonkers? That's the heart of the pioneering thing that, that, that breeds innovation, creativity. Mm. And again, the danger for the church, danger for all of us, it's an institutional danger that you settle. Yeah. And, and in a church plant, you, you just got to keep planting. You got to keep yeah. innovating. You got to keep creating. Mm. And, and we felt that, haven't we? That that temptation to like, right, five years is done, whatever. 
things are established. You know, no, no, but what's new? What's next? Well, how do you go further or deeper or wider or, you know, rip up what you've just done? Yeah. Because, it, it, well, that was great for them, but now we need this. Even if it's just to keep people on the edge of comfort, is it? You know, yeah. because the minute the church, our church, the minute everyone's, ah, oh, this is how it goes. This is, yeah. this is the format. That then we're in danger. Oh, so yeah. we're like unapologetically, we want to keep people guessing because it, it stops us from falling into the trap of being set in our ways. Mm -hmm. I think the Holy Spirit is, is disruptive by nature, right? Yeah. So you yeah, can't yeah. settle, you can't be kind of actually just stay in that place of contentment. Yes, there's sort of a deep peace inside, obviously yeah. you want that, but actually, you know, from creation, the Spirit disrupted nothingness to mm. make creation and a Pentecost yeah. disrupt and I think that's in the nature of the spirit so I think mm. you know it's really key isn't it that we're yeah. that we don't settle that we are open to being disrupted because actually that's where creativity comes that's where the new thing comes so yeah disruption in the good sense yes. disruption. Yeah. <laughs> I think um we've got to be so aware of the culture the spirit of what we've lived through where everything has been around self-preservation yeah. and in some ways we've been given a good excuse you know me keeping away from people is actually yeah. to protect people which is of course absolutely right uh socially distanced and all of this kind of things when it was the sort of stay at home to keep everyone safe but but that living in that for a while is going to have a massive impact mm. and it, it, it gives us a great excuse or many people a great excuse to not really re-engage in church you know get out of the habit of meeting together you know Sundays actually is really nice to just sort of yeah. watch church in the background <laughs> while cooking lunch and going off for you know walks or stuff with the family it's, it's brilliant not to have to engage with people who are different from us yeah. and this kind of pull for comfort as you were saying is it's been so um, over the last year or so so strong and actually to break out of that yeah. is going to require intentionality but i think it, that would be so tragic for so many people who were on fire plugged mm. into church just to end up slightly playing it safe watching it online at home and obviously for some people there's very good reasons why they can't be in the building at the moment <clears throat> but i really want to encourage people this is the time to pioneer mm. as we um kind of start to pull this together it'd be amazing to sort of close um just and talk a bit more about role of the Holy Spirit, this disruptive role you were talking about, Ali, and, and you spoke on the power of a supernatural community because that is the church. Mm. We're not just a community, but we're a supernatural community. Yeah. Unpack that for us, Nick. Yeah, so um, I, I just kind of been, I mean, haunted isn't the right word, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know when you're just drawn to a passage yeah. and yeah. it's like, because, you know, we had this title like power of a supernatural community and empower people. And I was like, well, there's so much you could do mm. on that. And I was just drawn to this passage in Acts 19 when um, Paul um, visits Ephesus. And we'd studied Ephesus in Revelation. One of the churches has lost its first love. But it was a powerhouse city, you know, mm. for, for God's mission. But when Paul visits it earlier, um, he finds these disciples of Apollos. And, um, and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no. We have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Mm. And you can imagine, like, Paul you know, face palming and sort of like, what? And, and it's this like horrible realization that something was missing, something absolutely critical to being a Christian, i.e. the supernatural, what we call the supernatural, i.e. The, the presence and activity mm. of the Holy Spirit. Something critical was missing and they didn't realize it. Mm. And, and that's what I mean by haunted me. Like, yeah. you know, because it, it, it's a holy haunting. It's yeah. like, because we know how easy it is to get on with the job mm. of being a Christian or mm. doing church and being even a community, being a family, being a social justice movement, being a food bank. Yeah. But oh my goodness, what, if, yeah. what about the supernatural? What about the Holy Spirit? What about the very thing that makes us distinctive as the people of God? Mm. You know, that Moses cried out for in Exodus mm. 33, you know, that's your presence goes with us. Um, Artie Kendall says um, the scary thing about sleep is that we don't know we are asleep until yeah, we wake up. I remember mm. that, yeah. And I was like, so oh. you know, yeah. so I guess I was, what, what haunted me is what I then wanted to get across, which was, you know, wake up. Like sure. there's all, and, and people say, you know, well, why we've got everything in Christ. Why do we need more of the spirit? But like, 
there's always more. Yeah. Yeah. There's always more. And unless you're telling me like you are raising the dead, healing every person <laughs> in front of you, mm. you know, uh, your prayer life is absolutely on fire. You can't stop reading the Bible. Then the answer is, well, there's still more. There's yeah. still sure. more. And so again, I guess that um, intentionality thing. And how, how do you think, you know, everyone steps into that? You know, you're a mom, you're a Uber driver, you're a CEO of a company, you're a teacher. Talk about me for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're a mum, you're an Uber driver. Only on Saturdays. Yeah. I don't you know, so very well. known. It's prophetic. Yeah. Okay. But what, what, how, how do we activate, stir up these gifts? Yeah, um, it's a great question. And I think that the answer, one of the answers in, is intentionality, like mm. we've touched on already. And I gave this example of this guy in the news who has parked in every single car park mm. space in his local mm. Can I just confess that when you told that story, there was a little part of me that thought, I'd actually quite like to do that. Mm. I love a spreadsheet. Yeah. Well, there we go. I'm not going to, mm. but I, I yeah, it appealed to a part of you. Well, there I we am. go. It's worrying. And, and was it you, Doctor? Yeah. No, it was wasn't it? me. Yeah. It wasn't me. You can research this online. There was you this shop guy. at Waitrose, don't you? No, <laughs> only on Fridays. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it just hit me again, like his intentionality and the level. And, and we could give so many examples of how intentional people are in this world about yeah. their hobbies. And we as Christians, how, you know, are we intentional with the Spirit? You know, yeah. like um, speaking to the Holy Spirit every day as a person, mm-hmm. you know, not just like praying to Jesus, you know, because we talk a lot about Jesus as your friend or imagine Jesus sitting, you know, around the table mm-hmm. with us. Well, Holy Spirit, you're here. You know? What would you say, sorry, just a quick theological point, to people who say, well, the Spirit of God, we, we don't worship the Spirit. The Spirit points people to Jesus. I personally don't agree with that, but I'm just what what the Spirit is part of the Trinity. Yeah, I mean the early church councils wrestled with that point, but landed on no, no, no. He is to be worshipped. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, glory to the Father, yeah. glory to the Son, yeah. glory to the Holy Spirit. And and there's definitely a strand of thought that is the Holy Spirit is is the self-effacing one, which is mm. what you're referring to. You know, he doesn't show his face; he just shows yeah. Jesus' face. Mm. But you know, we believe that in Scripture there is a distinctive activity and role of the Holy Spirit in releasing the gifts uh, amongst us as the people of God. Obviously, wherever the Spirit is, he glorifies Christ. And that's one of the the ways you discern his presence. Mm. But he is to be related to. Yes, he relates us to the Father through the Son, but like, I can't live without relating to the Holy Spirit. So how does that work for you? Sorry, getting Personal point. Good. But how, how, you, how, you. Nick Drake, when you wake up in the morning, your alarm's gone off, you've slept through it all, Becky's screaming at you to get. Uh, how, how do you relate to the spirit in your everyday living? I mean, for, I, I, I mean, for me, it is, it is simply that the big shift was realizing I could speak to him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I know it's like a small thing, mm-hmm. but it's, it's realizing that he's a person. He's, he's life, he's, he's energy, he's motivation, he is new ways of thinking. He is the power to turn from sin. It's literally speaking to him as if he's in the room mm-hmm. and getting to know him, as well as we talk about getting to know Jesus mm-hmm. or getting to know the Father's love and, and, and the glory of the Father. It's like the, the preciousness, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, you know, I'm sitting here, I only know 20%, 10% of him. Mm-hmm. And I'm 40 odd years old. You know, so... I guess that's <laughs> 49. <laughs> Thank you. 50. Same as me. Same as and, me. And, and you know, um, you know, we, we got we got this word, me and Becky, early like 10 to 15 years ago. You know, disproportionately seek the Spirit, hmm. and oh, and I think that's that's where I sit. Is like mm. uh, because I think the church is often not disproportionately mm. sort of the Spirit because of this thing about we fall back on safety, on comfort, yeah. on institution and mm. and that makes us safe and so like if in doubt i want to be someone who leans in mm. just we're running out of time so, so good sorry. nick no so it's good. absolutely no, brilliant fantastic i'd love to maybe close with how can we as a church mm. and maybe think the church capital c globally how, how can we um create more space do you think for the spirit you think about the different small groups youth kids gathered mm. sundays how how could we stir up that great intentionality to mm. connecting with the spirit of god and being led by the spirit ali i'm going to start with you what would you say 
Well, I just think it's what Nick's saying. I think it's being open, isn't it, all the time? It's inviting the spirit in right at the start of the day. I love um, Beth Moore said something about, don't allow anyone else to speak to me in the morning before, you know, the spirit has spoken to me. And I was like, yeah, that is so good, actually. If you, we need the spirit. You know, we, we, we can't function. We're not just like some kind of golf club. We're not, you know, life is not in full colour without the spirit. Mm -hmm. So we, we just have to do it as individuals as well as, as a church. Yeah, brilliant. Mm. Uh, I've got to say, um, I think we do this quite well um, as a community. You know, I think creating space and allowing the Spirit of God uh, to come and rest on us and, and, and to do what He needs to do. Um, I, I think that for me, you know, I've, I've got to say the Holy Spirit is, is, is almost a friend that sticks closer than a brother, you know, and, and almost keeps me on edge, I think. And, and I think that's a good place to be because as we're just talking about discomfort, I feel like the Holy Spirit is always there just, just to push me that little yeah. bit further to say hello to the guy behind the counter at, at the coffee shop, you know, or, or to encourage somebody. And, and I think I endeavor, I try, and I try to, be, to, to be on edge and in that place where I've got to depend on him. Yeah. I've got to trust him. And... And I think I think that's that's our journey is is to get to a place of trust and and dependence on the Spirit of God. For when we are weak, He is strong. Yeah. You know, when we haven't got the words, He will give us the words, and He will give us wisdom at the right time. And so, um, I think space, conversation, uh, and and the Spirit of God is is a friend. Yeah, it's yeah. good, Rachel. I yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with what you're saying I think a good test for me and I think I'd invite others to uh, to try the same thing if, if I've got to the end of the day and I thought I, I could have got that through that day on my own strength mm. then I probably haven't been authentic mm. to the things that God is calling me to mm. and I'd, I don't I don't I don't mean sort of moving to a place of works you know because there's a rest, isn't there? There's a deep peace that comes in pursuing the things that God has called us to. But I know for me that if I'm, if I'm really pursuing what it means to follow Jesus, then I cannot do that without the Holy mm. Spirit. Like I literally am totally mm. reliant. Mm. And again, it comes back to this comfort thing that if our lives are so safe, so controlled, so comfortable that we can live them without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, then that's probably not a very good thing. Mm -hmm. And we need to just ask some really important questions. And I think your point, Ali, about the disrupt disruptor that... And, and what you were saying, Tabo, the, the Holy Spirit, again, the way he works in my life, it's this, it's this mixture of, I'm with you, I'm with you, I, I love you, I'm going to empower you, but I'm going to push you, yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to challenge you. Yeah. And it's like he does both in the most amazing way, yeah. right? That there are yeah. times where it's like, Spirit, I just have mercy on me. I need you in this moment. And then a moment later, he's like, come on, Rach. What about this? Have you tried, you know, mm. pushing me out of my comfort yeah. zone? I think that's the nature of the spirit. Yeah. We just want more of that. That's great. Yeah. We, um, as a church, have been looking at this theme of rewilding and released this EP, Gastric Music, called Rewilding. But it's this principle from the Nep Estate in West Sussex, three and a half thousand acres, 2001. They got to the end of themselves. The land was, you know, not producing much. They're exhausted, struggling to make ends meet financially. And the owner came across this rewilding project, this idea that you just let the land grow. You mm. let the animals graze freely. You get rid of all the hedges and fences and you stop obsessing over goals and targets. And that really hit me, that phrase, because uh, so many churches and conferences and leadership books I read around the church seemingly obsess around goals and growth and targets. Mm. And of course, there's some health and good things in that, but... This guy just let everything go crazy. And what they saw was incredible explosions of life, wildlife returning, these rare um, you know, um, species that were on the verge of being extinct suddenly returned and flourished. Uh, they ended up making a shed load more money because everyone mm. was coming to visit and loads of other estates have started similar rewilding projects. And I think this is what we need to be really stepping into as a church, mm. that, you know, we've tried 
to follow the models of other organisations yeah, or other successful churches, and we've maybe thought this is how we need to do it. But I, I think where I see us going over the next season is God. Where are you leading us? Mm. What are you saying to us? Mm. What are you doing in our community? What was God raising up within our community? Who is God raising mm. up in our gatherings? We have a plan. Um, there's a brilliant song. I think your Nick and a few others have written, but uh, one of the lines is, you know, shake up the plans that we've made. And I think mm. that's what we want to do. Spirit yeah. come, move amongst us. Yeah, release us. control. Mm. We just release yeah. control. And I think as we do that, we're, we're beginning to see um, people really step out, rise up, and we feel like we're empowering the body, the community, rather than just a certain few doing all the stuff from the front. So I'm excited. It's going to be uh, involve risk. It's going to a few twists and turns, but I think it's really it's a really key time for us as a church and for the church in the UK. So, um, Rach, why don't you quickly wrap this up? In a prayer. I'd love to. Do. Can I just also make note of how colour coordinated we are? I know. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? It's it was good. purely by accident, but I love it's that. Good. Let's pray. Well, let's just, yeah, Holy Spirit, mm. we just thank you. Thank you for who you are. Yeah. Thank you that you empower us. Thank you that you lead and guide us. Thank you that you are the holy disruptor. Yeah. Thank you that you are wild, untamed, and Thank you, God, that you are, uh, you're passionate about your church, about your people. And we just pray for Gastry. We pray for this church, Lord, that you would, um, you would embolden us. You would empower us. And I pray, God, that we would be like clay in your hands. Mold us and shape us into the community that you want us to be. Mm -hmm. uh, set us on fire by your spirit. Yeah. Surprise us, God. Lord, forgive us where we have become so uh, so set in our ways. Lord, would you surprise and disrupt yeah. us? We invite it. Yeah. Even though it's scary, we invite yeah. you to do that. Mm. Uh, I pray for open hearts, open hands, uh, and do, do what you want. Do yeah. what you want. Take us as a church. Use us for your glory. Use us to love this city back to life. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church. <laughs>